0: Hey everybody, I'm Anna McEwan, and now for Bob Switzer with the epic narrative. All right, everybody. Well, just for what it's worth, this is the second time I'm recording this episode, and there has been many, many months between the first time I did it and now, and now, now. So I. This is what I remember. I remember recording it, <laughs> and as you has been well documented, my lack of confidence when it comes to technology. It's it's not that I'm afraid of it. I just don't have any confidence in it, in my abilities around it. I get super nervous that I'm going to do something just like this. I'm going to lose it, lost forever. Now it, it shouldn't be lost. It shouldn't be lost because I have I have the the recording app that has a c- copy of it. And I have my main drive, which had a copy of it. And then I have a copy of that main drive on the actual file that says, you know, Genesis season two, it should be somewhere, but it's not. And that's okay. But man, I remember recording it. It was really good. I remember thinking, wow, that was, that was really good. Uh, And now it's, now my thought is what, what was so great about it? Because now I can't remember anything that I said. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to start over again, start over again, and that's okay. Honestly, that's happened to me many times when it comes to even uh, preaching. Um, now, often, mo- you know, majority of my career, it, when I was when I was a pastor, I uh, you know I spoke to youth youths. The youths of America, the youths of the church. And so it was never recorded anyway. So even if it was really good, it, I knew in my head it didn't really matter because nobody was going to ever hear it again. <laughs> uh, and then I would, um, you know, then occasionally it would get recorded. I'd get all excited, like, oh, listen to this. I want everybody to hear it because I just thought I was that awesome. And, you know, that honestly came from this. There's just such a celebrity mindset uh, by in in ministry, so many preachers, and it doesn't matter if your church is you know fifty thousand people with fourteen campuses or fifty people. You it, there, there's something there's something that gets into your ego. It gets in it gets in there, and it just says you are the man. You're the celebrity. You're the one. All these people, all fifty of them, are here to hear you. Cause you're that good. And someday, maybe even more. And it's bizarre. It's a bizarre thing, the celebrity culture within the church. And and the 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 idea that we all go to one place to hear a revelation from God. And I think we've really missed we've really we've really missed church. I, I just think we did uh, at least here in the western world it uh, not all not all churches but I think we've I think there needs to be a pretty big reset but maybe maybe more on that at the end under Bob thoughts because clearly I am way off board we aren't even close to making a transition into into this week's we're gonna we're gonna do the whole chapter it's it's 57 verses long but it's very repetitive because we we hear it's it's the dream, right? It's the dream of Pharaoh. This is this is the story of of Joseph. From the prison to the palace. God can take you from the cell to the sanctuary. He can take you from the bottom to the top. In one fell swoop, in one, one encounter, in one revelation, he can move you. He can uh, put you in places of the king. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty fun. It's a fun story, right? I mean, it's just easy. It's it's easy. Of course, you also have to believe that God put you in the prison. And here in the epic narrative. Uh, don't think that happened (laughs) i don't think god did it yeah i know we've covered it before i don't think god does i don't think god has to do bad things in order to suddenly do the really 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 good things and so the worst stuff he can do to you the better stuff he can do you later like that that's just that's that's just abuse that's just ridiculous <laughs> and and yet entire denominational theologies have been built around that and they usually go to you know Joseph's verse uh and we'll get to it eventually but you know god meant it for good or you you meant it for evil but god meant it for good like it's it, god didn't god didn't do it to him in order to do good things god's just good and when when bad stuff happens to you because of other people's choices and other people's uh, uh, reaping what they've sown bad stuff happens to you. God's goodness is still there. And that's what you depend on. And I do understand the perspective from Joseph when he's like, listen, it's all good. It all, it's all good. And, and he gives God credit for it. I understand it and how it gets translated that way, but you can't look at the character of Jesus and, and then say well god's different in the old testament the character doesn't change it can't you can't uh, uh take a take a covenant and say well now i'm going to change my character i'm going to i'm going to have a new covenant and a new character with the new covenant it, it that's just not how covenant's work it's definitely not the way character works and it's definitely not the way in my opinion the way god works so so if you still don't, if, if if you're still willing to listen to me after all that, yeah, this is going to be a great chapter. So it says uh, Pharaoh's dreams, right? Genesis 41, verse 1. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. So we'll read this. I might not read it the second time he repeats it, but we'll read it now. Uh when out of the river came seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. And after them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those of the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly, gaunt and gaunt, ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up, which makes perfect sense to me, right? I mean, that's just that's just disturbing. Blah. I mean, have you ever seen a cow eat? It's not a carnivore. Like, it's it's a whole... Mouth structure is not designed to be ripping meat and crushing bones. And so this had to be very disturbing. Just bloody yikes. Then he fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again, right? Makes sense. Grain is not designed to eat anything, but somehow it did. It kind of swallowed it up. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt and Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain's guard. That's the prison, right? That's that's the house of the captain's guard. That is Potiphar's place. He oversees that prison. Uh, Each of us had a dream that same night. Each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us and a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dream. He interpreted them for us, and each man the interpretation of his dream and the things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position and the other man, well, was impaled. <laughs> oh. uh, so then, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought up from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Boom, Jagalaga. That one's done. That, uh, that, that, Round. okay so this has been going on two years running two years running joseph is in the prison joseph is doing what he does it's interesting to me that the phrasing um says that he was uh pharaoh was once angry with his servants and we were sent to the house of the captain's guard and then it says uh a young man a uh, young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. So even in prison, Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh, sorry, Joseph is recognized as a servant of Potiphar. And we we've already made those, you know, drew drew those those lines of connections that he is in a prison that that Potiphar oversees. Potiphar delivered him there personally, and he now basically runs the prison uh, in lieu of the of the warden, the warden still oversees it and gets all the political uh gain from all of uh, Joseph's hard work. But it's very clear that that Joseph's God is with him. and and the Egyptians, you know, for all you want to do to knock knock the Egyptians, they at least had room for recognition, of, of God. They recognized a spiritual force in people. They understood that there was a frequency that wasn't just physical. There was a spiritual frequency that allowed people to connect with a heavenly, a heavenly force. And Joseph had this force very strong. If he was a, you know, if he was in Star Wars, he would be uh, a Jedi because they would be like, whoa, the force is strong with this one. So, there's a recognition within the within the culture of Egypt to know that there's God's involved in everyone's lives, and even though bad circumstances keep falling on Joseph, it's very clear that his god his his spiritual force is is giving him favor and 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 gives him wisdom and gives him uh authority, no matter where he is. Potiphar recognized this, which is why he didn't believe his wife when she said he raped me. But he had to go through the motions because if he didn't, his wife, who was married, who was the daughter of the high priest, like it was just political intrigue and, and whatever, right? Joseph is a Hebrew. He's considered a less than, an ethnically unbounded person because they, he has no land. He has no place. He has no family. Like it's, it's, it's pretty clear what's going on. So Joseph is in prison. He's still there two years later. Remember the last time we 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 looked at this Joseph had asked the the cupbearer it's the first time that he declared his innocence and said I'm I'm not supposed to be here I just want to go home Now n- none of us can fault him for that And I don't think there's anything spiritually wrong with Joseph for basically saying I I God I you know if he, I'm going to knock on this door and see if it's open. There's no harm in knocking on doors. You know, we're 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 looking for quote the will of God in our lives, right? And you think, well, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Should I take this job? Should I quit this job? Should I marry this person? There's no harm in knocking on the door, but but don't kick it down. And Joseph didn't. He I, I think he knocked on the door, but it is interesting that it that as far as the record is concerned. It was a long time before he he declared his own innocence and said, I, "I don't I don't belong in prison. I just want to get out. Listen, I don't I'm not I'm not looking for retribution. I'm not looking for re, um, re, regurgitation, <laughs> repudiation. No, what's um, reparation? That's what it is. I'm not looking for money. You know, I'm not going to sue anybody. I just want out." And the cupbearer, I'm sure, is thinking, absolutely, oh, for sure, man, I will definitely remember you. But he doesn't. So two years later, what's Joseph thinking? He's probably thinking, well, I knocked on that door. Didn't open. That's all right. Uh, Potiphar keeps getting promoted. He's, you know, captain of the king's guard. Uh, Pharaoh's working on the nation's growth. Now, remember, at the time of Egypt, at this time in Egypt, there are 10 governors that rotate the role of Pharaoh. So it's not a dynasty at this point. It's, it's not, a, and again, there is, there is debate over this. I understand that. I am, I, am, I am saying, for me, in the studies that I've done, and I am no PhD, but in the studies that I've done, to me, it makes most sense uh archeologically, that during this time there is no dynasty of pharaohs going on. There is a governorship of the 10 of 10 major cities in, you know along the Nile, and one of those 10 becomes the quote Pharaoh for a certain number, certain number of years and then it rotates and and basically they are they're, they're, they're a collaboration of governors. That keep track of all kinds of things, but Pharaoh is working with the other, na- you know, with the other governors working on the nation's growth and he has dreams. Uh, and, and in verse eight, it says, uh, you know, in the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all of the uh, magicians and wise men of Egypt that had to take several days. He sent for them. They're all over the place. Now, I'm not saying they were weeks away, but they were probably a, a day's journey, and not all of them can just drop everything and go. Even though it is quote the Pharaoh that's asking them to show up, they all have jobs. They all have farms, um, agri- not not farms, sorry, agricultural or livestock or um, not agrarian or water. What do I want to say? Water water based businesses. They, they 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 got they've got stuff to do. So they eventually show up and I'm guessing it took several days to gather all of them together and they all hear and they all come, you know, in and whether it's one-on-one or as a group, you know, they, uh, they eventually present interpretations to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's listening. And I'll tell you this because I, I do, uh, I dream and I also interpret dreams. And I'll tell you, dreamers know when the interpretation fits. It's, it's, in, it's fascinating because I believe that dreams are uh, from the Lord. Uh, I, I believe it's one of the ways he communicates with our spirit. And when we hear the interpretation of the dream, it just rings true. And I, I tell people that all the time whenever I do an interpretation. I'm like, the best dream interpreter is you and holy spirit but when you know when you ask for help you'll know and you can take what fits and throw out what doesn't i think i think much like the the any communication from god it has multiple layers of interaction they should always draw you closer to him and it 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 could also show back up later just like any verse in scripture like Five years later, 10 years later, different circumstance, that same verse suddenly has new meaning. And dreams, I think, can do the same thing because that's the that's the power of God's word. His word is a living thing. All right, so all of those guys come in. They they are chattering away. No one could interpret, no one. And I'm sure they went back and then they came back and then they went back and then they came back and they were like, well, was I close? Was there, Was there something there? I mean, seven cows that eat other seven fatted cows that are eaten by seven gaunt cows, and you can't tell that the gaunt cows ate the seven fat cows. Like um, what? I mean, we all know what the dream is. Well, not maybe maybe not all. Maybe you're listening for the first time, but a lot of people already know this story, and we know what what the Lord ends up showing Joseph, and we all think, well, of course it makes sense. But whatever the magicians were coming up with, it it didn't make sense. Pharaoh was like, nope, that's not it. That's not it. It's in these moments, right? The cupbearer is in all of these conversations. He's he's holding the beverage. He's standing there. He's ready to pour a fresh cup of wine. He's ready to pour a fresh cup of water. He's ready, whatever the Pharaoh needs as he gets through his day, all of this is going on. And the cupbearer takes a moment. He probably takes a deep breath. I mean, why did, why did he wait so long? I'm sure the cupbearer is thinking, well, I have to be careful. Because I know what happens when the pharaoh gets mad. If, you, if one of his servants gives bad advice, then that servant could very well die. I've I, I seen it happen to the baker a couple years ago i have to be very careful it's not like the cupbearer could just show up after crawling out of prison and say oh i knew this was going to happen because i met this prison guard not prison guard this prisoner who runs the prison who's you know whatever he's amazing you got you should talk to him no he's he's a servant he has a servant mentality his whole concept is i need to do what's good for me i need to do what's right for me I need to preserve myself That's a slave mentality right that's a, that's a servant mentality that's what a lot of people have when they come to God they they view God as the as the Pharaoh and it's like I need to get what's mine I need to get what's coming to me I need to get enough to survive and I need to hoard whatever I need beyond that so that I you know in case we go through lean times like there's there's all kinds of reasons why he would have hung on to this information. So, yeah, he's waited two years. And we know that he's waited two years because of his own self-preservation, because of the language he uses to describe uh, Joseph, right? He says, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. He starts right away with negative terms. He basically says, I'm... I'm a horrible person I'm a lowly servant i'm I'm useless i I am not worthy to be here in my job that's what he's saying he's not saying hey uh I'm an idiot I forgot something he's not he's not saying I forgot something he's saying he's he's trying to remain overly humble so that he doesn't lose his job so he doesn't lose his life and he says uh, Pharaoh was once. Angry with his servants. Now I'm guessing Pharaoh's been angry with his servants many, many times. But again, he over—he states over the top language here. He's using something that basically says, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I do this. It's—it's it's, I do it humorously, right? Well, somebody will say like, "Oh man, I was," you know, "I was I was wrong," and I'd be like, "Well, just that one time." And we all know that, you know, the person was wrong lots of times. And everybody knows that Pharaoh had been angry with his servants lots of times. But the servant is trying to be over the top here. Remember, one time you got angry with your servants and (laughs) a funny thing happened. You threw me and uh, the chief baker into the prison of the house of the captain of the guard. Not just any prison. You threw us into the really good prison. Uh, just just in case you were forgotten, because I'm guessing you would have forgotten. I mean, you know, because it only happened that one time. And he goes on and he says, uh, each of us had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. And then he uses these, these words to describe Joseph. He's like, uh, and they're negative, young, a young Hebrew servant. So young would mean immature, basic, nothing distinctive, very plain, mundane, no big deal. That's what that word young means. Hebrew, a reference to his race, the fact that he's a foreigner, a lesser than an Egyptian, unfit really to give advice. Don't like probably not somebody you're going to listen to. That's that's the that's that phrase. servant no family, no family value. If he has a family, they don't value him. He has no, no equity uh, within within his heritage. He has no equity within his bloodline. He has no value when it comes to, you know, merchant or agriculture or trades or anything. He's, he's just a servant of Potiphar's house, which means Potiphar big wig, big deal, husband of the of the high priest's daughter, and we all know what that, you know, what she's like. Like we, you know, that reputation is there. Potiphar's an amazing guy, but his wife, Yeesh. So he lays all this out in the way that he presents Joseph because he doesn't want to lose his job. And he wants to make it clear to to Pharaoh that this, this very insignificant person did interpret a dream, but it was years ago. Like There's a reason why I didn't remember him that right away is because, well, he's not that big of a deal. But to be fair, everything turned out exactly as he told us. I was restored to my position the next day. And the other man was impaled, just like he said, so Pharaoh sends for for Joseph, and he was quickly brought up from the dungeon, and when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he arrived so so Pharaoh wants him there he's frustrated he's and and I think at some level he wants to even belittle the people who keep trying to tell him what the dream means and he knows it doesn't mean that he doesn't know what it means but he definitely knows what it doesn't mean and they keep trying to convince him and if you've ever met somebody who tries to convince you of something that you know isn't true is that it is true it gets really frustrating listening to them kind of like the news i'm no bob that was a political but it is it it just drives you crazy It, it, it it drives me crazy you know i'll listen to someone's speech and then i'll listen to a a commentator tell me what the guy just got done saying. And I think, no, that's, that's exactly the, uh, you, that is not what he just, that is not what he said. That's not what he said. Whether it's a sports person or a political person, you hear a coach give an explanation and then the, you know, the commentator comes on and says, well, what he, what he, what he said was this. It's like, no, that's no, that's no, that's not what he said. So I think Pharaoh's kind of having one of those moments where it's like, no, I'm done. I'm done listening to you. You know what? go, Go get this guy, go get him now. I want to see him now. So they go running off to the prison. Now Potiphar is probably in the courtroom, courtroom court of the of the palace. He's he is somebody who would have been aware that Pharaoh had had a dream. He would have been aware that all the magicians and wise men were being called in for interpretation because he would be providing security for Pharaoh and the palace and the palace guard. I mean, uh, and the palace prison. So he would have been very much aware that they were going to get Joseph, and he probably was thinking, "Oh, this is awesome." I think Potiphar is a big fan of Joseph. I think he wants Joseph to survive. I think that's why he made sure that everybody took care of Joseph in prison. and even though it's been, I don't know nine years at this point, 10 years at this point, he's he's made I, I'm, I'm guessing he's stopped by to see uh, Joseph every once in a while. And they probably have had conversations with him and the and the warden. So Joseph comes, and his head is shaved. He's wearing a turban. He's wearing uh, Egyptian clothes. He's he smells good. He looks good. Uh, and and we know from history, right? Egyptians knew how to take care of themselves. And and we learn more and more all the time. They took care of their hair. They took care of their nails. They they understood, you know, basic uh, hygiene. We find crazy contraptions that they use to br- what they you know brush their teeth as best they could. At, you know, at the time, it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. So so he shows up. Now I'm guessing uh, when he arrives in court. You know, Pharaoh sees him. Potiphar sees him. The cupbearer sees him. Others who were uh, vaguely aware of the rumors of the rape of, of Potiphar's wife and whether or not that was true or not, they all see him. He doesn't necessarily look Hebrew anymore because of the way he's dressed and the way he's cleaned up. He looks Egyptian. And they're all waiting. And I'm guessing all the magicians are there and all the wise men are there because they don't think this this foreigner, this servant, this person of no significant qualities, there's no way that he can do what, what they do. They're the wise men of Egypt. So Pharaoh says to Joseph, verse 15, I had a dream. No one can interpret it. That's a shot at everybody else in the room but i have heard that you when you hear a dream you can interpret it now this is this is this is awesome because right in that moment right in that moment joseph has an opportunity to promote himself joseph just mm, just so subtly, he could just, oh, just let it be known. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. He could promote himself. He could make life a little easier. He he could have said, he could have said, I, I do. I do know the dreams interpretations when I hear them. And uh, something else I know is that I'm innocent and I shouldn't be in prison. Maybe we can talk about that. Or he could have said, well, uh, yeah, let me, let me hear the dream and, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, let, let, let me, uh, let me see what happens. And he could have bided sometimes and then he could have come back and said, you know, I, I do know the interpretation, uh, I'm pretty confident of that, but there's a few things that I would also kind of like to go through with you, um, you know specifically why i'm in prison and why i've been there for so long like there's all kinds of things all kinds of ways this could have went and his response is i cannot do it that's amazing to me he doesn't even try to promote himself he doesn't even attempt to even knock on the door he immediately points pharaoh to god that's That is a quality that is very hard to find in anyone who has the quote anointing of God or favor of God on them. Most people with the favor of God interpret that as a, as, as a, you know, some sort of personal invitation from God to promote themselves. And pastors get a call or ministry leaders get a call of the Lord on their lives and they think, well, now that I'm here, got to protect my own, got to promote myself. Man, right here, Pharaoh says, I hear you can, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do that. But God will give Pharaoh the answer to the dreams. Pharaoh says to Joseph, in my dream, and he, and he lays out all of the dream again. And in verse 25, Joseph connects again Pharaoh to God as a friend. He says the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Now um, we'll see, right? I He's like, God is communicating with you because you have you are in a position to save you know millions of lives. He's communicating to you the plans of the enemy. Because he knows what's coming this you know the creator of the universe created it with an, with a principle that says you reap what you sow and this this country has been has been sowing seeds into a uh you know a culture a spiritual culture that is out to kill you and he God loves to reveal the plans of the enemy so that the enemy cannot do what the enemy wants to do. So God is communicating what's coming. I don't believe he's communicating what God has already determined to do because what's what's about to happen is going to cause death. God isn't a death bringer. He's a life bringer. It's, It's just a consistent part of the character of God. I know it's not the way it's translated. I know that. But I can't look at anything that Jesus did who was here to show us the perfect picture of the Father and say, well, Jesus caused that man's death so that, you know, he could raise him again. That's not, no, that's not how God works. That's not how Jesus worked. So in verse uh, verse 32, oh, well, okay. So he gives them the, the, the whole deal. He's like, uh, they're one of the same. Seven good cows are seven good years. Seven good heads of grain are seven good years. It's all one and the same. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up and, and uh, are the seven are seven years, and they are seven worthless heads of grain are also seven years. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what is about to happen. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them, and then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten, and famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it is going to be so great. The reason for the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been decided by God and God will do it soon. And you're like, Bob, God is doing this. No, what God is doing is revealing what's been planned. That's what he's doing. He's letting you know, this is the plan. The enemy's plans are this. I'm letting you know. Because I don't, I want you to avoid the plan. Like, why would, why would God plan seven years of feasting and seven years of famine, and then reveal His plan if what if His whole goal is to kill everybody? Like, it's, uh, why? Well, cause His ways are not our ways, Bob, and uh, you're just you're just a you're just a, a rebellious blasphemer for questioning the wisdom of God. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that, Uh, but I don't think I am. Because God is good all the time. And Joseph lays out a perfect plan. I think as, as he lays out this plan from verses 33 to 37, I think Potiphar is smiling the whole time. Because he know that jo- he knows Joseph was always a forward-thinking person. He was always somebody who saw the big picture. He was always somebody who could solve problems faster than anybody in more creative ways than, jo- than Potiphar had ever seen. And he'd seen it in his own house, and he'd seen it in the prison. Everything runs better when Joseph's in charge. He has, the, he has that frequency of his, of his connection. And again, I know that's probably how the Egyptians would have described it. His God gives him wisdom. And, and as Joseph lays all of this out, Pharaoh senses the incredible humility of Joseph because Joseph never inserted himself in the plan. Joseph always promoted and believed Egyptians could do this. And Pharaoh recognizes that this is a God quality in Joseph. This is a spiritual frequency that his people don't have and Joseph has way more than he's ever seen anywhere else in any other sort of leadership and Pharaoh acts quickly to harness that frequency of heaven he wants that culture of heaven to be in his country it's amazing he i'll just i'll just read it to you right he's like uh verse verse 33. and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man to put him a man to put him in charge of the land of Egypt and let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. and they should collect all the food of all these good years that are coming and store them up <clears throat> store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in cities for food. And the food should be held in reserve for this country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may be, not be ruined by the famine. And the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, he said, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? And Pharaoh says to Joseph, since God has made you made all this known to you, there is no one more discerning and wise than you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all the people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. This is, this is right, this is that classic, and I know that preachers love that verse. Can anyone find a man like this on whom the Spirit of God? Pharaoh recognizes something amazing about this man. And he looks at his officials and he says, is there anyone like this? Is I mean, does anybody, this is, this is what I picture. Potiphar's smiling the whole time because he's like, yep, I, this, this kid is freaking amazing. And all of the wise men and all the magicians are also recognizing, wow, this is what, we we didn't come up with this. Like, this is not normal. This stuff is the stuff of, of heavenly frequencies that we are not familiar with. This is He's there's no there's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. Nobody here would have thought that we should collect in the name of Pharaoh. Now this is huge. This is a huge thing that Joseph does. In the name of Pharaoh these things would be collected because what what Joseph does with his plan is he creates in Egypt a dynasty. He by the mere a uh, collection of all that he does over the next during the seven years of famine, all the input that he takes from all the nations of the world that all show up at Egypt in order to get fed, they all come to Egypt and and Joseph, not only does he in, make all of Egypt and all the Egyptians both elite and wealthy and poor alike, they all become indebted to Pharaoh. Everything he collects, he collects in the name of Pharaoh. Everything that he uh stores away, he stores in the name of Pharaoh. Every I'm telling you this this plan this plan is very similar to every crazy government dictatorial dictatorial controlling government that you've ever seen. This is communism, this is socialism, whatever you want to call it. Joseph's Joseph's plan was that, collect it in the cities. Why? Because we want everybody from the country to come to the place where the food is. And we will distribute it from the cities. And later we learn that he literally went from city to city each year. They they released the food in each city. So all the people had to go to one city so that everything was under control of the government. Everything was released in the name of Pharaoh. Every All the money, all the livestock, all the lands, all the future livestock, all the seeds, everything that was traded for food was traded and taken in in the name of Pharaoh. He He enriched the nation of Egypt and he enriched Pharaoh. And so when Pharaoh says this, He says, you're only second to me, and only only I will be greater than you. Pharaoh understands. He knows, he gets what the plan is. This is going to be huge. I'm going to be not just one of 10 governors who happen to be in charge at the time. I'm going to be the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh for many, many years to come. so Joseph is put in as overseer viceroy of the country he was he was put over a godless country and he was placed there to bring wealth and success to that country that that's huge because I know a lot of Christians who would love to be in charge of our country or their country and they would they would just you know destroy it in the name of God, because it's a godless country, and we're gonna. It's fascinating to me, right? It's fascinating. Now, I don't think I don't think Joseph. Uh. Well, well, I don't, I don't know. I this is this is a long. Maybe I'll maybe Bob thoughts at the end. I I could get. It's just a fascinating concept here. He brings wealth and success to a place that doesn't know or worship God. He brings the wealth of the world to Egypt. And it says that, that Joseph Pharaoh says to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen, basically the, the robes of the of the court. And he put a gold chain around his neck so that everybody could see, oh, this is the guy, this is the viceroy. Um, and that was very very similar to all other you know governmental governments of the culture. The, the Pharaoh always had a, a right hand man and they would they would wear a sash or a chain or a signet uh, pin, something that would indicate, you know, you are the hand of the king. I guess is, is that what it was in Game of Thrones? the hand of the king? Everything this guy says, it's as though the Pharaoh's saying it. And again, this this brings more authority to Pharaoh because now he has a you know a second man in charge who isn't politically connected anywhere else. Anywhere else, this man came out of nowhere and now he's in charge of everything. You don't think that might cause a few people to get a little bent out of shape politically? Trust me, you don't think the other nine governors were just slightly not happy. I mean, they were happy that there was a plan. They were happy that that the success of Egypt was going to be secure. But they had seven years of abundance to sit around and go, I don't think we're ever going to get that famine. I think we got plenty of food. He had him ride in a chariot, his second in command, and people shouted before him, make way, make way. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in Egypt. And he was given a new name. And he was given, oh my goodness. He was given Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, to be his wife. You see, not only had Potiphar... Gained in power and authority as captain of the guard, but he was now. He was now a priest as well. Fascinating, right? The connections that Pharaoh that Pharaoh has and that Joseph now has because of it. He is in charge of everything. This vindicated Joseph in the eyes of Egypt regarding the charge against him when he was given Potiphar's daughter as a, as a wife. This, this new name would keep him hidden from his own family, even though technically he was in charge of a place that I'm sure his family would have heard of this new ruler in Egypt who was second only to Pharaoh. Seven years of abundance. I'm sure they heard the name, but they didn't know it. Joseph was 30 years old. He'd been in Egypt for 13 years. He went throughout the land. Literally, it means literally, city, village, town. He went through it all. And he started to putting putting together a you know a building uh, program, storage projects. He started to get to know all the people and see the resources. He had government storage silos put up all over. Seven years of collection. It says that it, he collected so much stuff that eventually they couldn't keep track of it anymore. And we know that mathematically the Egyptians were off the charts. And they were like, "This there's just so much. And they were only collecting a fifth of the harvest. They have so much food stored up. People are like, this is ridiculous. We're never going to eat all this. We could go without rain for seven years. And Joseph is thinking, yeah, it's not just for you. We're going to bring debt to the entire world. They will all be indebted to Egypt, and to Pharaoh. Fascinating. Now, the storage places kept prices stable because whenever, if you're in an agrarian society, right, and there's an abundant harvest, the prices will tumble. And then when there's a lean harvest, prices spike. (coughs) But because of the storage area that he he produced, the seven years of, of abundance also created economic stability. Everybody was still getting paid the same and everybody was paying the same so the wealth of the egyptians continued to grow the plan was to feed the egyptians the plan was to feed the world the plan was to put egypt in power over the lands and the people of the world to bring them in that you know debt is a is a tremendous bondage for people and national debts put bondage on nations and thereby puts more bondage on their people all the time. And we can go into that anytime you want. It's it's crazy what debt will do. And the plan worked perfectly. It said, "Uh, I mean, you know, it continues. The quality of grain was like the sand of the sea. That's what it means so much. Verse 49, he had to stop keeping records. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph and his and the wife, uh, the daughter of Potiphar. And they named the first one Manasseh and said, it's because God has made me forget all my trouble of my father's household. And the second one he named Ephraim, for it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Seven years of abundance came to an end and seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph has said, there was famine in all the other lands, but the whole land of Egypt, there was food. And when Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. And then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he, do what he tells you. The famine had spread all over the whole country. Joseph opened all, all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Now, they wouldn't have called him Joseph. They would have called him his Egyptian name, so his, his family would not have known. But over the next seven years, the wealth of, of the nations and all the people w- would bring them all into long-term debt to Egypt in the name of Pharaoh. Pharaoh would have total power and control over pretty much the known world. At least as far as out to Babylon. Babylon probably was not part of this famine. It's a fascinating story. Right? It only takes one chapter. But that chapter probably spread out. Well, now we know it's spread out over over seven years at least. Well, no, seven, eight, nine years. It's it's fascinating. that He went... When it says he went town to town, he went town to town, city to city. He made sure these silos were going up and going up fast. And he was prepared. He was prepared because when God gives wisdom, he doesn't just give wisdom for an individual. He always gives wisdom that will bless everyone around them. And when you're in charge of everyone, then everyone gets blessed when you get blessed. That's the culture of heaven. That's the difference between Joseph and all the other leaders in Egypt. If they had gotten that kind of power, they would have enriched themselves. When Joseph got that kind of power, all the nation was blessed because they had food. All of the world was blessed because they had food. And Pharaoh got all the power, not Joseph it's a, it's again he's a he's a fascinating character an amazing man who does not allow circumstances to control his character because he understands his character has nothing to do with his circumstances his response to his circumstances are what reveal his character and his character was one of wisdom and one of humility one of creative Creativity, which again is wisdom. This is it's another word, another definition of that same word, creative wisdom, and strength of character. These are the things that that showed the life of Joseph. And if you do some research, it's. I mean, again, the timing of when he's there is is really important because sometimes, if you if you believe that that he's there at the time that I'm saying, then you can find. References to this viceroy who struck out a very odd man because he only married one person and he only had two children. And it was very, it was just an odd situation. Because most leaders and elite in Egypt were known to have multiple wives and lots of children. Not Joseph. Not Joseph. Because... He approached things differently. His frequency was of a place that the Egyptians were not aware of. It was a spiritual force that they recognized as incredibly powerful, but also incredibly odd. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. I know that it was a long one. I don't know if the first time I recorded this, it went that this long. I, I suspect it did. I suspect it did. Bob's nodding his head. He's like, it it did. It went at least this long. And and uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh I'm just gonna roll roll into uh some of my Bob thoughts. I it's uh you know, debt um Yeah, debt is one of those things. That I think we all need to be careful of. It's it is an enslaving thing. I'm not saying it should never that you should never be in debt. You know, never take a mortgage. I know that there are those who believe that. I don't disparage that. And if you and if you don't, I guess if you don't need to be in debt, then don't. But you can use the tools of economics to help you. And there are some who who really uh, under you know can navigate this. And they use debt as a tool. But they those who, who understand it as a tool also have the strength, I would say financial strength, to drop that tool anytime they need to. In other words, they have a plan that says, all right, if I need to, I can get out of debt immediately. But most people who use debt can't do that. Most people who have debt... Are enslaved to it. And they've used debt to create a lifestyle that they cannot afford. And then they're trapped. And I know of many people, it doesn't matter what part of life you are from, who are so entrapped by debt they can't leave a job, they can't look for another job, they can't they can't retire. And they know that they can't keep doing their job because they're physically starting to fall apart. But debt becomes their taskmaster. And they become beaten by it day after day. And eventually they succumb to it. And at some level, everyone else has to try and pick it up and and put things together. And, And in... Uh, in Joseph's plan the nations around around Egypt become indebted to to Egypt in Egypt they become basically you know sharecroppers they, they a portion of all future harvests are committed to Egypt it's it's uh it takes them years to get out and and Joseph is lauded for years in Egypt. He is seen as a savior of the nation. He is understood to be somebody who, you know, can't you know can't can do no wrong. But the tools he used, the the system he used, I don't I don't I don't I don't think it's I, I know this is gonna sound dangerous. I don't think it was the plan of God. Because I don't think debt, enslavement to debt, I should say, is a plan that God would come up with. Now, I do think it was the plan of God to feed the world. I do. I think that's part of the abundance, right? He was like, hey, I know what's coming. I'm going to show you what's coming because I don't want the world to die. I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, my goodness is going to, create the possibility that all of this can be can be saved off now pharaoh had a choice he could have avoided talking to joseph he could have said well i'm not talking to a, a hebrew slave and and what would have happened well they would have had 7 years of abundance and then they would have had a barely they probably would have barely survived 7 years of famine and we would have never heard of the 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 goodness of god in the way that so many people were saved from the famine but that's the way the goodness of god works it still would have been around there would got god is <laughs> like we've said before it's not like if if joseph hadn't been released from prison and interpreted the dream and if pharaoh hadn't still chosen to put joseph in charge of everything he could have just said wow that was amazing i agree with you uh we will put egyptians in charge joseph thanks for coming by go back to prison He could have shut it down there. Like, what would have happened? Well, God's still good. His goodness would have still been there because his goodness never departs anywhere. There's no way to get rid of it. And Joseph would have ended up in prison. For how long? I don't know. Well, what would have Joseph do? I guess he would have trusted. I guess he would have been reliant on the goodness of God, as he should be as he always had been, because that seems to be his response to all of his circumstances. He seems to sit back and say, I'm going to trust God with this. I don't understand it. I'm going to trust God with that. So I would just encourage you to do that. Don't don't be fatalistic like, well, God, God did this to me and and someday I'm gonna be taken out of the prison and put in the palace, just like Joseph. Cause God's got plans. Well, God does have plans. Plans that you can't see because it's every possible plan is out there. His goodness his goodness it, it, it shows up regardless of what happens. Just trust it. Trust it'll be there. Trust God's goodness. Live in that place of hope. Because that, my dear friends. That's a great place to live. All right. Have yourself a wonderful day, everyone. I look forward to talking to you again soon here on the Epic Narrative.